It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Walter Storlt here alongside Matt Hausman, the founder of Old Security Group with an office in Westchester, PA, and Newark, Delaware, but serving clients all across the country. Be sure to find out more resources, great information, blog posts, all sorts of good stuff at smartmoneyquestions.com. Matt, I hear you've been eating lots and lots of chocolate and that I was not invited to the recent chocolate (laughs) event that you had. And so we're starting off the podcast today with hurt feelings on my end and a full belly on yours, it sounds like. Well, I'm so sorry. Yeah, we just had a a client event, just a social event last week, and uh, it was for chocolate tasting. It, It had been rescheduled. We actually had it set up for the very beginning part of February, but due to weather, we moved it off a couple weeks and it was really interesting. We tasted, uh, there's a place locally here in Westchester that specializes in, I don't know, it, it's not your normal store-bought stuff. And went in and we grabbed uh, six or eight different types made with all different kinds of things. We had one that had, it was really dark chocolate and it was with toasted corn on the inside, which if you've ever put M&Ms or chocolate morsels in popcorn, that's how good this was because it had a little saltiness Ooh, to it. Yeah, there was another good. one that was from Syria that had some red pepper, and none of us really liked that one. <laughs> I, I've never been a and fan I, of spice in chocolate. I kind of like just you know straight-up chocolate. I'm with you. And it was really good. My wife had done, you know, this was her, she wanted to actually host this and be able to talk about it, so she'd done her research on how chocolate is made, which one of the things I didn't know is that almost all chocolate is actually hand-picked the pods out of the cacao. I think that's how you say it, Hmm. which I did not know that. And so that was really interesting when you think about how much chocolate is out there. And we had one client that actually used to try and make her own chocolate, and she was talking about the complexity of it and how hard it is and how she finally realized it's better just to go buy it. (laughs) and try and do it on your own. (laughs) But, you know, one of the things that was really cool that we really got a lot out of, and and all the clients that were there that day actually emailed us or one of them actually texted Maggie and just talked about how neat it was after we went through the, the chocolate and the different tasting and understanding it is we just hung around the table for another couple hours just talking, just talking about all different types of things, the experiences that some of the clients have had over the course of their lifetime, the different you know, walks of life, where they've come from. And it was just a, a really cool opportunity to be beyond just, quote, the financial world or educating on finances, which obviously is what we do, but just to be able to get to know them better and listen to some of their, their life stories was really, really interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. I know that I know you appreciate those opportunities when they come along, not only to eat chocolate, but also to learn from, you know, clients and people who have, you know, had great life experiences. I always love learning from people around me who have, you know, been through something that I haven't been before. And you just always pick up something instructional, informational, and worthwhile to apply to your own life. So great that you're able to not only have those opportunities for yourself, but other clients as well. That's pretty cool. And 
It's okay. I forgive you. I think maybe my invitation <laughs> was just maybe lost in the mail. Is that what we want to blame it on? So. You know, well, we we sent the invitation out by email. Maybe it ended up in your spam. That's right. Yeah, I'll go check the spam yeah. folder. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, you know, what, what you're saying right there is really true because I felt like all of us, including myself, really learned something with one of our clients is we did end up getting back around to talking about, you know, the market and things going on and some of the volatility we've seen here recently, you know, then they were asking questions and I was talking about really, you want to really caution yourself on falling into the fear trap. And many times we don't even know we're falling into it. And then once we get there, it can be very difficult to get out of. And so I was talking to them about that. And one of my clients said, well, you know, the reality is, is that you're going to remain in fear if you choose to be ignorant and lazy and not do the research to develop your knowledge. Knowledge is what should replace fear. And I just looked at her and I said, that is one of the most profound things I have hmm. ever heard. It's and so right, being though. Able to, to, yeah, isn't it? I mean, take the time to do the research to feel comfortable. Not that you're, oh, and, you know, I can use the example of when Maggie was diagnosed with leukemia. And I have never read so much in like a four-day period of time to understand what it was we were getting ready to walk into. And even in that, like just completely overwhelming myself with all of that information, when we did get to the University of Penn and be able to talk with the doctor is I was able to ask questions that she's probably heard a million times, right? But she was able to calm our fears as we were getting ready to walk into that process. And money is a lot the same way. But when she said that, it was just so, I was like, wow, that is, I sent her an email the next day. I was like, that is one of the most profound things I've ever heard. Yeah. I like that a lot. And uh, I know we're going to get to some questions from podcast listeners coming up in a few moments from now, but one more thought on this, Matt, I may have shared this before on the a previous podcast. I don't remember, but I have, when I was a kid, I was deathly afraid of pretty much everything, uh, you know, borderline hypochondriac probably, but uh, I didn't have very good coping skills and eventually found out that I just was, uh, I had adult fears in a child body and with a, you know, a child's ability to reason with those fears. But the initial reaction of my parents was to always try to hide things from me, hide information from me. And what we ended up finding out is that just fed into the fear even more. One particular example was with thunderstorms. I was deathly afraid of thunderstorms. If there was a 10% chance of a thunderstorm that afternoon, I'd be paralyzed. I mean, there was, you know, if there was the distant rumble of thunder, I'd go into freakout mode. I mean, it'd be, it really started to become paralyzing to our family on the weekend trying to do something. Or at school, if there started to be a storm outside, I could barely pay attention to what was going on in class because I went into freakout mode. Well, we found out that knowledge was power for me in that situation. It was just the fear of the unknown. And so we got together like a little emergency kit, and then we just had a procedure. If there was a severe thunderstorm warning that would pop up, I'd grab the emergency kit. We turned on the TV. They let me watch the news reports and watch the scroll at the bottom of the screen. And, you know, I was very calm, and we'd go down to the basement. We'd even, I'd even loosen up enough to play some ping pong down in the basement while the storm was going on, you know? <laughs> And like it's a it's a small and maybe a silly example, but I think it's just illustrating your point. Knowledge, oh yes, eliminates absolutely. fear rather than just sticking your head in the sand. That's only going to make you more fearful. Right. So. Exactly. And not identifying what the fear is. So in your particular case, thunderstorms is if that's the fear, then going to that subject to actually educate yourself. Many times I find 
And I had someone in earlier today that actually made the comment, you know, she's fearful about money, but she's not doing anything or doesn't seem to know where to go to find the answers or how to do the research. So identifying, you know, the first issue is to identify what that fear is and then start to search out and be willing to, uh, as my client said, not be lazy and do the research for that. So, yeah, if you find yourself a little paralyzed by fear, perhaps sometimes when it comes to financial investing, maybe you don't melt into a puddle of goo like I used to do when there was a thunderstorm when I was a little kid. But if you find that fear really does affect you when the market's going up and down and it's having a big impact on your financial decisions, it's worth talking that out with someone. And we do encourage you to reach out to Matt Hausman. He'd be a great resource for you no matter where you live to have a conversation about the role that fear plays into your financial life. You can call him at 610-719-3003 or online. Just do it through the website. Smartmoneyquestions.com is where you can go for more resources, information, and get in touch that way. If you'd like to feature a question on a future show, you can submit that through the website. Smartmoneyquestions.com, again, is the address. And I've got two on today's podcast to throw at you, Matt. Hey, Walter, real quick before you get to the questions. Yeah, what you got? I just wanted to let everyone know that uh, when you get those email invitations for us to come down and enjoy one of our social events is go ahead and look to register. I mean, I was, I was really, I was really happy with being able to spend that time with the clients. And I think they were as well to spend time with other clients, other people that many times people will think they're in the boat all by themselves. And then when they come to a situation like this, they realize a lot of people are in the same boat. And so they can have those, uh, those common experiences or, common learning experiences to help with the fear. So when you see those, and we, we're doing those every other month, just look at those and hopefully it fits into your schedule and and we'll go from there. That's a great point. Yeah, it's uh, you are not alone going through a lot of these situations. Even when it seems really unique, there's somebody that's been through probably something similar that you can kind of draw some comfort and some understanding from as well. So that's certainly good to know. All right, I've got two questions for you on this week's podcast, Matt. The first question is going to come to us from Paul in Cincinnati. Paul says, what are your thoughts on paying off a mortgage before retirement? I have a 15-year mortgage currently at 3.25%, three and a quarter, hoping to retire in two years. I could pay it off in that time if we really try hard. Do you think that we should? First of all, that's a great question. And just to go and let's address the fact that you have the ability to pay this mortgage off, even though it's a very low interest rate. I mean, I think we all can agree three and a quarter is pretty doggone low, but there's two factors that you're going to want to really understand as you come into retirement and you're going to be paying this mortgage off, at least from your, your question based on your earnings. It's not like you're going to go tap into your 401k or an IRA and have a tax bill to pay off the mortgage but you're going to do it through maybe redirecting money that you were putting somewhere else or maybe spending somewhere else to pay off the mortgage. And where that's going to be very, very beneficial for you in retirement is to free up cash flow because a successful retirement is managing cash flow. And whatever your mortgage payment is, $1,000, $3,000 a month, is to relieve yourself of that debt, even though it is cheap money, is going to be far more beneficial for you long-term and possibly reducing how much of your assets that you have to take money from and maybe allow you to take on a little more risk for longer term results, longer term returns. But I would say absolutely, if you can do it, 
is to be able to use while you're working, use those monies to pay down that mortgage for when you retire, you no longer have that obligation. Now, we can talk at another time, Walter, about and Paul, about the idea of where a home equity line comes into play. But in this particular case, while you're still working and you have the ability to do that, I absolutely 100 percent agree that that is the thing to do. Yep. Really good question there, Paul. And uh, a lot of people, I think, Matt, get that kind of question bobbing around in their minds. You hear it's good to be out of debt in retirement, but at the same time, you don't want to you know, necessarily just assume that that's going to be the correct answer for you because some it ends up being in the different direction. But always a well, good and conversation worth having. Well, the other thing with the mortgages, real quick, is a lot of times people want to have the mortgage while they're working because they, quote, think it's a tax write-off. Oh, true. Mm-hmm. But what's recently happened with the dramatic increase in the standard deduction, I can give you my example, is with a, even if I refied my home equity line into my first, because home equity lines now can't be used as a mortgage deduction, even if I did that, and with the taxes I am paying, now I'm still working, so I'm paying income taxes and real estate, but they cap it at 10, I still take a standard. So the mortgage, quote, mortgage deduction is not doing me any good. But boy, to free up that cash flow, even for me now while I'm working, I'd rather pay an extra quarter into the taxation to free up that cash flow. So that's where, you know, you're kind of reevaluating, especially where the tax code is now on does a mortgage make sense just to have a write-off? Because in many cases, we're not able to do it. And then in retirement, it absolutely makes sense to unload that debt to free up cash flow. That's a really good analysis, I think, of the situation. Paul, hopefully that is a helpful response for you. As always, it's going to depend on your particular situation, how the rest of your financial picture looks, but that gives you some direction, I think, into answering that question, at least where the mindset might be helpful to have it. Sam from Delaware has our other question on this week's podcast, Matt, and I think this is a good one that you're going to jump all over, so I'm looking forward to your response here. (laughs) Sam says, I don't understand investing, so I just invest in target date funds. That should take the guesswork out of the process, right? Well, first of all, hopefully... He heard the very beginning where we were talking about don't be lazy and go do the research, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, <that's laughs> so right. if you didn't, then it all comes it. full circle, doesn't it? <laughs> but you know that. Let me talk about the target date funds because you know there was something really interesting that struck me. Came across the newswire back at the first of February, and many times these target fund dates are exactly what Sam is talking about, where. They Wall Street recognizes the big wirehouses, the Fidelities, the Vanguards, in this case, Wells Fargo. They recognize that a lot of investors and I've been out talking to business owners recently and they say that inside their 401ks, that's what all their employees are doing because they don't necessarily understand investing. But they also don't really understand what's underlying in the investment target date funds themselves. And I thought it was interesting. So you guys can go look this up. Wells Fargo lost some major 401k business to the tune of one client left and took $660 million away from them. Why? Because they decided in their target date funds to get more aggressive, even for ones as soon as retiring or target date 2020, which would mean I'm going to retire in just two years. And they were looking to achieve greater rates of return by substituting 
some of the investments where bonds or corporate grade A bonds were going to be now junk bonds or sometimes called high yield bonds and derivatives. Now, that just sounds like a recipe for a disaster. And unless you're going to take the time to read the prospectus, Wells Fargo went to the trustees of the 401k plan to let them know that they were making this change. And they only gave them like a 30 or 60 day opportunity to stay with them or leave. They left. They actually asked for an extension. Wells Fargo didn't grant it. Wow. You know, but in so many times, I had another case that this reminded me when I saw this of, I think it was 2014, and we had a client come in, and he was looking to retire in 2015. And he had a target date fund with a big firm that starts with an F. And that particular fund you would expect within a year of retirement to be invested very conservatively. When I ran the report, the first thing I found that really struck me was 65% of the target fund was invested in stocks, in equities, 65%. 35% was invested in bonds. And of the bonds, those were high yield bonds. So, and the other thing that was really interesting is the underlying funds that were being used for that target fund were also from that big firm that starts with an F. So it was a layering of different funds where you can have different expense ratios that are, you have to add all the way up. But more importantly, this particular client is expecting, I'm retiring in a month, yet 65% of the underlying mutual fund was invested in stock. That seems to me like you're taking on a little more risk than what you're thinking. So Sam, what I would tell you is I'm not the biggest fan, as you can tell, of target date funds. Because in many cases, I think it allows the investor to be lazy and not really look at, because most investors are like me. I don't ever look at the prospectus, you know, but I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to pull a report where I can look at two or three pages and I can know what the underlying funds are or stocks individually or bonds individually and see what that looks like. But just to do it thinking it takes the guesswork out because in many cases, those target date funds are smoke and mirrors. And in this particular case, this one really shocked me. And the thing that was so shocking is that Wells Fargo is just trying to, quote, keep up with the Joneses and offer more return because of what the market has done. So they were willing to substitute out those corporate grade A or better credit bonds to go high yield and junk and then derivatives. I mean, really? And, you know, if you're a participant in one of those 401k plans and you're not reading the prospectus, you don't even know they made the change because they only had to give that information to the trustees. And that's the way most qualified retirement accounts that are employer sponsored are like is your employers making the investment options. Then you get to decide of those options, which one you want to choose. So, you know, I, I would tell you, Sam, you really want to go back and you want to look at that. You want to understand, take the time to look at the target date, what are they investing in, what's the underlying, and make sure it's fitting your total criteria. Or if possible, and I do see this a lot, you can develop your own target fund based on maybe other investment opportunities within your 401k plan. Or if it's a uh, self-directed IRA or it's an outside investment, you can do the same thing there. But uh, I really caution you in just thinking, oh, this takes the guesswork out. Oh, they're taking care of me. Because this is a prime example 
that most people wouldn't have been aware of. And I caught it on CNBC. And when I went back to go do the research to find the article, because I didn't print it, it was, I found it at different resources besides CNBC. So just something to think about. Yeah, that is something to think about and something really important for a lot of people to consider when they are trying to navigate the waters of the best way to plan for retirement. And I think it all comes back to what you're talking about, Matt, is do the research. Arm yourself with some knowledge. The old saying, knowledge is power, but also recognizing that that's going to reduce your fear, reduce your concern in financial planning. And so you see a lot of these things out there in the financial world, kind of the magic bullets or the pill to cure it all. And we should know better at this point that that's not always going to be the right answer and most often will not be the right direction to take and the right answer to have. So, you know, good question, Sam from Delaware. And I think take to heart kind of that guidance of do the homework, dig in a little bit further, work with somebody who can do the right analysis on things like target date funds. So, yeah, maybe they can be helpful in some in some different portions of your plan, but you have all these things happening in the background that Matt – the layperson's not going to understand those changes that Wells Fargo goes through, you know, as, as the example that you were given out there a few minutes ago. And, you know, we don't know all the moving and shaking that's happening in the background and how that's going to affect us individually. And that's why we turn to you for that kind of guidance. Well, and the other thing is that when we think about what Wells Fargo did is essentially they're willing to basically sacrifice the client to attempt to get better returns so their spec papers look better. Mm. You follow me? Yeah. I mean, you're right. The average investor wouldn't wouldn't necessarily know or the participant in those particular 401k plans would know that that's going on. And because they're thinking like Sam is doing, and that is that's taking the guesswork out. They're planning it according to, now this is the interesting thing. Wells Fargo is planning it based on their investment philosophy and investment planning but it might not agree with yours. When I read this, I was shocked. And then I was even more shocked that, man, they they must really think they know what they're doing if they're willing to lose a $600 million account. Yeah, no kidding. Well, it's interesting to see how those waves operate. And, you know, if you don't have $600 million to play with, you know, <laughs> join the club. Uh, we're here just trying to make sure our, our <laughs> retirements are taken care of and that sort of thing. And uh, it, it just takes a little bit of homework, a little extra effort to kind of learn about some of these things. If you'd like to talk with Matt Hausman, founder of Old Security Group uh, with offices in Westchester, PA, and Newark, Delaware, but also serving clients all across the country, you can have, uh, you know, digital remote meetings, that kind of thing. And Matt's got somebody in uh, one of these days, Matt, I think you're going to have somebody in all 50 states. I don't think you're at all 50 states yet, but you're certainly. No, uh, if I remember right, the last count, we were in nine states. Nine states. Okay. That's not shabby at all. And and guess what? Most of them are all heading south. I've only got one client that's <laughs> nor, more north of me. Is that's that a right? That's sign, right? <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So that, that just tells you the trends right there. That's like my grandparents. They're the only ones I know who retired to Maine of all places. You know, it's like he chose Maine over Florida. What's <laughs> what's going on there? So, yeah, smartmoneyquestions.com, your place to go to find out more info about Matt, his team, but also read his blog posts and some more information there. Smartmoneyquestions.com or call 610-719-3003. That's 610-719-3003. Thanks for joining us for the Smart Money Questions podcast, and uh, we'll look forward to answering some more of your questions on future podcasts. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing you then. Thanks so much for joining us.